This is What The Flux. I'm Brett. And I'm Justin. And it's Thursday, the 5th of August. Westpac is launching a pilot program to get its Western Sydney staff mm-hmm. and their families vaccinated. I like it. Now, the bank is looking at launching vaccine hubs, which will offer AstraZeneca jabs. Don't tell me they'll be inside the banks themselves, Brett. Don't know. <laughs> US trading platform Robinhood had a pretty rocky IPO just the other week, mm-hmm. but it's finally on the up. The shares have surged 24% past its IPO price for the very first First time, mm. and get this: the company's market value is now seventy-two billion dollars. That's big, Justin. And we have three really uppish stories today. Let's do it for our first. Facebook is finally launching its news section in Australia after months of cutting deals with local publishers. Ah, uh, the never-ending story is finally coming to an end. <laughs> What's the story here? All right, Facebook has been warring with news publishers for what feels like years, and they've been warring about whether Facebook should pay publishers for their news. Now. Initially, Facebook wasn't so interested in having a chat with these publishers. Yeah, remember when Facebook just cut the news entirely from its site? But Brett, eventually, Facebook came to the table. And now, Facebook is rolling out its special news section here in Australia. Which has been available around the world for quite a while already. So what is the key learning here? As Facebook, the social media monster, embraces its news service, smaller publishers could be left in the dust. Now, while the government's new media bargaining code did force Facebook to cut deals with big publishers... Seven, Nine, News Corp and The Guardian. It ain't great for the little leaguers. And this is getting folks worried that Facebook could cause a massive rift in the media space. It kind of feels like Facebook is drawing a big fat line in the sand Mm. between what it thinks is news and willing to pay for and what it doesn't think is news and they're not going to pay for. And Justin, this could sway what Australians consume. Which could be a dangerous game to play for society. For our second story, YouTube has launched a $135 million fund to entice creators to use its TikTok rip-off shorts. <laughs> Things are spicing up between the big Y and tickers. Tell me more, Brett. All right, we all know old mate YouTube uh-huh. for, you know, their longer vids and their rabbit holes and their weird 2000s <laughs> movies. We also know that YouTube was bought out by Google back in 2006, and now it's worth around $230 billion. But, Justin, back in 2016, TikTok entered the scene with its cray-cray short dance videos. Which kind of made YouTube rethink its strategy and launch shorts. But the problem is, creators just weren't creating on shorts. (laughs) So now YouTube has launched the $135 million shorts fund. Which it'll use to pay creators for their most engaging and most viewed short form videos from now until 2022. So what's the key learning here? Money talks. Even when you're the size of YouTube, you just can't force users to do what you want them to do. I.e. start using their shorts feature. (laughs) And Brett, although YouTube shorts is kind of a handy feature, it's definitely not reaching the scale that TikTok is reaching right now. So, Jazzy Boy, YouTube is playing the lazy game (laughs) and is throwing money at the problem. They're hoping that by incentivizing creators with big, big dollars, they'll be able to rapidly grow their user base. And hopefully steal top talent from TikTok. For our third and final story, the former CEO of Australia Post, Christine Holgate, known for the Watchgate scandal, has just received a $1 million payday from her ex-employer. Christine, 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 sounds like justice has been served on the big red postal service. (laughs) What's happening here, Justin? All right, Brett, some backstory. Christine Holgate resigned from Australia Post after she spent 20 grand on Cartier watches for execs who closed a big, big deal. This was a huge controversy at the time. And as it happened, Justin, ScoMo and a bunch of government ministers, they 
put pressure on Australia Post to boot Christine. So then she resigned and went on to take a position at a rival delivery service. But Justin, Christine took Australia Post to court mm-hmm. for unlawfully standing her down and pushing her out of the business unfairly. She said she wanted a settlement and an apology from OzPost. But she's only taking home a $1 million termination payment <laughs> and no apology. So what's the key learning here? CEOs might get paid the big bucks, but they're often the first ones to go when the yucky stuff hits the fan. The Royal Commission into Banking is a great example of this. Three of the four CEOs of the big four banks stepped down after their dirty laundry was aired. And companies often face massive pressure from the government and the public to make a change when there's a big problem or a mistake. And the first port of call is usually axing that CEO. And why is that, Brad? Well, CEOs are at the head of the organization and companies who want to enact big, widespread cultural change within the business, Mm -hmm. they need to look like they're doing something big. And what's bigger than dumping a CEO? nothing. (laughs) In reality though, it might not always be the biggest difference to a company's culture. But on the outside, it looks like they've done something pretty Mm. huge. FluxFam, a big shout out to Mick Slevin for his really wonderful review on Apple Podcasts. AKA 24-7. AKA lucky number Slevin. Slevin (laughs) 11. He reckons we need to do longer shows, a bit more of a deep dive, Justin. What do you reckon, FluxFam? Hit us up if you also want to see longer shows of What the Flux. Thanks for listening and we'll see you tomorrow.